Welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 62, White Magic, Spells, Symbolism, and Out-of-Body Experiences with Joe Roop. Joe Roop is the host of the radio show Lighting the Void, and I am excited to have him on the show with us at Enlighten Up. He had me on his show last month, and today he's going to join us and talk to us all about white magic. He has a great definition for what magic is, which makes it really easy for just the average person to get on board with the idea of magic. We're going to go into spells. Do they work? And if they do, are they used for good or are they not used for such good? And we're going to talk about symbolism and the idea behind the programming of the subconsciousness through symbolism and later on he's going to share with us some of his out-of-body experiences what did he see and how did that happen all of this is coming up in episode 62 so let's jump right in and hear what joe has to share with us Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. I am Nicole Frolic, and I am here, of course, with my favorite co-hosts, Lisa and Brian. And today we are joined by a special guest, Joe Roop of Lighting the Void uh, radio show. I was actually a guest on his show last month, and I just love the conversation and all of the insight and wisdom he has to share. And so I wanted to bring him on our show because... He is going to talk about a very interesting topic that we have yet to discuss on the show, and it is called White Magic. Uh, You know, a little bit about Joe. He doesn't consider himself an expert in any field, uh, except apparently the female field. But that's kind of, we'll we'll talk about that. Um, But he uh, basically got a start after listening to a lot of late night shows on Coast to Coast when Art Bell was around. And... You know, he started out in the temples of modern day mystery schools, learning the esoteric, and that slowly opened doors to ufology and the paranormal. He's a huge fan of the paranormal. And I love this quote, Joe, we'll talk about in a second um, from Whitley Strieber, but beliefs are walls and questions are doorways. I love it. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. I like that introduction. That was very nice. It's actually an expert in the female form. It's unless it's that's that's what I was supposed to put there, but no, uh, that does sound I probably good. changed it. Yeah, I probably changed it. I, I, my higher self may have told me to change it just so that you could clarify <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so you're you're an expert in the female form, are you? Well, I'm, I mean, that's just a, a funny little quote for any any man because, like, when you if you're a jack of all trades or you study a lot of different things, I mean, there's only one thing you can sit around and talk about with guys. And that's, I mean, you know, girls, I mean, we've been doing that since we were kids and girls talk about boys and that's just the way it is. It's pretty much the only thing that I could be considered an expert in. I would think it's kind of a joke, really. Most men think that, you know, they can never really understand women. So that's surprising to hear you say that. I don't think that at all. I think well, I, women are very easy to understand. I actually. love that. I love that book. It's it's like, you know, everything men know about women, you know, it's a hundred pages long or whatever. And you open it up and every page is blank. <laughs> yeah. It's a good gag gift, really, yeah. actually. But no, I don't think it's that hard. I think it's, you know, women that from an energetic point of view um, are, are, uh, if you want to, I guess, look at it in an esoteric sense, you know, they represent the, the, the chalice, they represent 
emotion and uh, accepting. You know, a lot of times, um, if you're around a woman, they'll they'll be like, "I just don't like the feeling of this." You know, they go their feelings more than they do sure logic. You know, and that's the one thing. Uh, when I say logic, I don't mean that in a mean way because a lot of times we need to listen to our feelings, and the logic gets in the way. And so that's one of the things that I've no, you're ab- you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's I think that's the biggest differentiator between men and women is feelings and logic. But I will say that I'm one of those analytical guys too. So after uh, I guess my first divorce, I didn't want to feel that anymore. So I'm one of those guys that take like classes and study everything and do homework. And I really went on like. I'd say a two or three year escapade of trying to really understand women and believe it or not, I would do homework assignments and all kinds of things and treat it like a scientific experiment. And that was a long time ago. And how does that working out for you? Uh, Well, it worked out good then. Not so much now. Cause here's the (laughs) thing. You can understand so much about women in general, but each person individually is different. So That's a whole nother challenge. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, attracting women or or going on dates or just being around women, I love women. I don't have to even be going on dates with them. I just like hanging out with them, and I'm different like that. My friends have always made fun of me because of it. Aw. Well, um, going on to another topic, (laughs) let's let's talk about this, how you got into your own show. Like, yeah. how did that all like start? Like what, I mean, you, you talk, you listen to Art Bell and, and all of that. Where was your main interest? Like what really kind of spiked that passion? My, well, the main interest was, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about Art Bell at first. I was one of the late bloomers when it came to realizing who Art Bell was. So it was in the 2000s when I actually discovered Art Bell, not in the 90s. When everybody else well, did. I don't even know who Art Bell is, so maybe well, you then, can start yeah, with an introduction so of who he is. Well, I mean, Art Bell is was the first person to take late night radio into the esoteric and paranormal and strange topics. You know, oh, okay. Um, Larry King was he kind of touched it, I guess, a little bit, but when he went out because he used to do radio, Art Bell started in regular news and sports, and he just kind of decided, you know what, I want to talk about the stuff I'm interested in, uh, you know, spirit science, the paranormal, ufology, and he went with it. And it turned into this massive syndicated radio show that went on for 10 to 15, I'm going to know it's like 20 years, actually. And um, he became the biggest name in that. He just recently passed away, though. Yeah, yeah, he just recently passed away. So with... You know, because when I was on your show, we were talking about a bunch of different topics, but it sounded to me like the paranormal was quite interesting to you. Um, where were your interests then and where do you find have they changed or are they still the same as to where you are now? Um, actually, it's back. It's kind of backwards for me because when I started this thing, I was into the esoteric and spirit science way more. Um and then I discovered, uh, as I started listening to the, the guests that, let's say, Art had on, I'd be like, okay, here's another person talking about UFOs and aliens, but it's Art Bell, so I'm going to listen, right? And so I would listen. This is my favorite show. And uh, I started noticing that it all kind of ties together. And um, what I mean by that is 
the last time that I spoke to Whitley Strieber on Lighting the Void, he's starting to understand that these beings that he met or ran into are all part of something bigger and greater that have to do with consciousness. And see, there's this thing about um, me that I don't really want to go out and tell everybody my truth, so so to speak. I'm more of a 14 mindset, like, hey, we need to start asking better questions, right? And I got that from a book. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a book called uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. I don't yes, know if I've, you've ever read, read it or yeah, not. I've read it. But there's a part in there, and whether he talked to God or not, that, you know, that's, I guess that's up for you, for whoever the reader to decide. But there's a, a part in there that really got to me where, where God supposedly told him and said, look, I can't tell you my truth until you stop telling me yours. Hmm. Right. And that really hit home to me. And it just opened up like, I just need to start asking more questions instead of understanding, like making beliefs. Because beliefs, as soon as we believe something or we have faith in some type of paradigm or structure, then we, doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but we do shut ourselves away from everything else when we do that that's not related to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's why I love that quote from Whitley. Like it just, I never obviously seen it before and um, it just really resonated truth. I, I was like, wow, it's so true that a lot of times we get caught up in our beliefs and, and many times our beliefs are really good for us for a certain part of our life, but then we outgrow them and they no longer serve us. And it's time to, you know, that's when we start have to question things and start shifting the way we're perceiving everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that totally. So... Tell me about this white magic, because it's actually something I don't know a lot about. Um, and I, you, we have never discussed it on our podcast. So I'm just really excited and curious to hear what you have to say about it and share with us. Well, yeah, sure. So the, the first thing I would say is what what is magic? Like, is it Harry Potter? Because when people hear that, they think stage magic or Harry Potter magic. And it's really true esoteric i guess you could say magic or what's called occult science isn't really either one of those but it, it's tapping into uh you know the system behind consciousness to either do one or two things to manifest something in your life or manifest something in somebody else's life or to increase an awareness of who you really are and to your true self and um in my opinion, you know, people have called, there's other people that have different opinions about this. They say there's no such thing as black or white magic. There's just magic. Just like there's no such thing as black or white gravity. There's just gravity. But the kind of magic I'm talking about is the, the magic that you hear about when you think, oh, there's some guy out in the woods drawing a circle and doing some type of chants. It's just really weird. And, you know, it's very, very misunderstood, but it's been going on since the caveman era. And there is, in my opinion, a white form of that magic, which is all about love and all about ascension and all about manifesting good things in your life and in other people's lives. As opposed to? <laughs> as opposed to, well, as opposed to curses, Right. Black men. You know, yeah. there, there are such things as people trying to curse or hurt other people. Um, it gets kind of wishy-washy when you 
say you do a spell or you do a ritual for a new car, right? So there's a um, a moral discussion that some people could say, oh, that's black magic or that's white magic or that's gray magic. Well, you know, do you need that car to get your family to school or in work? And, you know, that to me is just kind of redundant. It really doesn't matter. But I would say black magic is definitely when you do something like a spell or a ritual or you even have the will to uh, interfere with somebody else's will, life, and love. Yes. And so it's like the total opposite to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, as much as I've been on, like I've been on this kind of like spiritual path, self-awareness, self-discovery, exploring all the different things, you know, from energy as far as like into ETs and things like that. I It wasn't until the late 2016, middle to late of 2016, that I came to realize, oh, black magic actually exists. Like their curses are a thing. And I, I really, up until that point, had just refused to believe in it. And I was like, no, I just don't believe it. Like, I just really don't believe that stuff actually exists. But then like my eyes were kind of opened and I realized, oh, no, there, there, there is something to all of this. There's a reason why people have so many stories about this and why it's such a, like books and books and books have been written about it. It makes me think um, of yeah. the, uh, the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, the, uh, the, the old lady, the voodoo practitioner, and they, they have to go to the graveyard for her to do the magic. And she's talking about like the, you only get half an hour around, you know, 15 minutes before midnight and 15 minutes after midnight and the 15 minutes before mid midnight are for doing good. And the 15 minutes after midnight are for, for doing bad. I'm with you, Nicole. I never believed mm -hmm. in that stuff until recently either. I refused to believe there was even negative entities or, you know, the devil type thing. I just didn't believe that that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, well, weren't we weren't we uh, <laughs> shocked out of that belief? <laughs> so what happened? How did, what made you guys uh, believe in it now? Um, I don't. Uh, well, okay, for me, it was I had a, a friend of mine who started talking about her experience with skinwalkers, oh. and I just like looking at her, and I'm just like, "What?" I go, "This stuff really exists," and she's like, "Oh yeah." And I'm like, huh? And you know, I I really valued her opinion and what she's she done some great healing work with me, and um, I just was like, what? And I just started to play around with it. And then, you know, as soon as you open the door to one thing, it's like all these things start conspiring to show you if it exists or not. Like I just, it's like you call it into your energy field, and all of a sudden, all this other stuff starts coming in, and. Um, I've had experiences with negative entities. I've seen with my physical eyes one, like as recently as like, I think I talked about it on your show, like at the beginning of this or the end of last year. And uh, so I'm very well aware that this stuff definitely exists, but I totally get, because I was there, the perspective of people who just say that stuff doesn't matter. Like You just think it's there, but it's not. I could totally yeah, get totally and it doesn't have to be like an attack from, uh, say, a person. I mean, it could be a bad planetary alignment. It could be something generational. It could be self-inflicted. Um, yeah. And so it's almost better that the people that don't believe in it stay that way. 
ignorance right because for sure right because what happens is is when you realize it's real I've seen even some people get into this psychosis to where they're freaking out 24-7. Like, they really believe there's nothing they can do about it. And they've got to go to some specialist to get rid of this curse, like a magician or a witch or a priest or, or something. And they get and it was better when they just didn't even know about it to begin well, with. Well, you see let me I mean? address so. it from the point. I mean, I, I think I have an interesting point because, obviously, I am a see-to-believe type of person or ignorance is bliss. I've said that a number of times, some of my catchphrases. Um yeah, I, I think I'm a. I, I actually feel differently about this, and I and I can I can you know understand what you're saying about some people get freaked out about it, and it's it's not that I don't believe in in magic. It's just I I love science fiction, and to me, it almost falls more into this idea of science fiction you know when i think of star trek and some of these things uh it's like well, what are we mm-hmm. going to be able to do in the future and then i loved the whole harry potter series and just that that idea and to me it's more like a romantic idea it's like well sure i'm i'm sure there's people around you know doing something it doesn't affect my day-to-day life um i i, I almost i I'm going to take a very different stance than I have, I think on a lot, on a lot of things we've talked about where I, I, I think it has to, I think it's something that has to probably exist. Uh, but it doesn't affect me in, in, in one way or the other. But that being said, I loved your definition. If you look at magic from your definition, it makes it that much more plausible and understandable you know it's not about you know a wizard with a with a wand you know and shooting colored lights out of the end of it you know it's just the idea of manifestation you know if that's what magic is and that's something we've talked about and that's something lisa and i you know try to do and that's something you know that she and nicole have have helped me to understand that this is something that can be done if that's what magic is well yeah, that's easy. So white magic is basically manifesting. Yeah. And black magic is yeah, manifesting, I mean, manifesting in an evil way. I, I mean, you're the way that you described, you know, a curse, you're basically trying to manifest ill on somebody else. That's basically what a curse is. Right. So people do that all the time without even really knowing it just through from what I understand, like psychic attacks and things like that. Like thinking negative thoughts about someone and sending it to them is that black magic magic? well you have to understand like first of all at i mean even from a scientific level we don't know exactly what it is but we know that everything is energy like in its true form um and then you know like a physicist and scientist thomas campbell who's you know i just got through speaking with actually yesterday is out to prove that this is you know a consciousness type of virtual reality system now there's a lot of people that are able to i guess what you'd say have out-of-body experiences or astral travel and the reason why a lot of these old sages kept what they called a book of shadows and a dream journal is because once they started writing these things down they started putting things together Right. Like it's like you have so many experiences. And if you approach it from like with even with a scientific method, you'll start to see that there's some type of underlying 
uh, let's just say, software, if you will, that's running this whole thing, that's based on uh, principles of the subconscious. This is kind of what Plato understood with the arcana, you know, and numbers and even geometrical shapes like circles, squares, the pentagram, things like that, that it's all in nature. It's through everything. So there's definitely the hermetic idea that this is all one big system of consciousness. Now, we're in the densest part in the physical realm. So in order to manifest things into this physical realm, it has to come through a set of laws that's already here. You know, they can be broken here or there, but it just depends on also who's viewing it too, who's observing what's happening. So it gets kind of complicated, but the magician understands what he can do to stack the deck against his subconscious to cause a manifestation in his life that normally wouldn't happen if he wasn't aware of these things or his or her life, actually. That's very interesting. Cause I, I know that like, for instance, um, when you talk about uh, the quantum field and understanding that, you know, it needs an observer. So that makes sense that the manifestation will and the, the breaking of the laws will depend on the actual observer. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I just got through talking with Thomas Campbell about because the human potential I mean, it's already been proven. There are there have been records, physical records, like track stars, or you can you name it. That things are impossible. The form and in uh, right, like this is impossible. And as soon as one person breaks it, the whole paradigm shifts. Right. No longer becomes impossible. Other people catch up to it. So there's something there, right? So a magician kind of works alone in solitude to do these these types of things. As a matter of fact, they even tell you you're not supposed to talk about your magic. Like, what I'm doing now is probably not smart, according to back in the day, because now your brain and whoever else's listening mind is involved in what I'm talking about. So if I go in the astral realm or if I do certain things now, i got to deal with this stuff. I don't necessarily uh, believe all that because a lot of more people are aware of this thing. And we call it magic now because we don't understand it. But I think in a hundred years, it won't be called magic anymore. It'll be just like, you know, me trying to explain uh, a cell phone back in the 1600s. Like, look, I want to talk to somebody who's not here right now. Well, they're going to laugh at me and put me in the stocks, you know. But a few hundred years later, it comes to pass. It's no longer magic. It's real, you know. Like telepathy is something that, from what I understand, is the way that we used to communicate but something came along and, right. and changed our belief, changed the, the fact that we could do that. We no longer believed it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, the there's all types of, there's all kinds of different types of magic. There's ceremonial magic where you do rituals and ceremonies. You can see this stuff in the church, the Catholic mass. Uh, it's even in Protestant churches. Uh, then there's. I think that's a really uh, prayer, interesting prayer. comparison. That that is, yeah, that is what's what's different. Other than the church wants you to think it's it's not magic, but how is that different? How is that ritual yeah. any different from you know a quote unquote witch performing a ritual? It's exactly the same thing. That's a really, really great point. Yeah, they're using color, symbolism, sound smells you know incense uh they're working on your emotions they're doing all of these things to 
to tap into your subconscious. I mean, I've been to a Catholic mass before in a very big church, you know, with the organs and everything, and it's really moving. So why are, why are all these priests doing what the ancient priestcraft used to do in Egypt? And then, but they tell us you shouldn't practice magic, but it, it's okay if we practice your magic. And I think that in a lot of religions, you'll see the big figures that have changed things like uh, the, you know, the Jesus story and Christianity changed the foundation. It changed everything. But there's also a book about how he was a magician. Uh, Buddha changed everything. All of these people in my mind were great magicians and they understood um, how to interact and how to change their reality and anybody else's reality based on faith and based on uh, by tricking the subconscious. Do you ever wonder why, like, I don't know if you guys read the Bible or not, but when he, when he made the guy um, see, right, why did he rub his hands in the dirt? with his thumbs or whatever and his fingers and then rub the dirt on the guy's eyes and all of a sudden he can see. Why didn't he just snap his fingers and say you could see? That represented something. And that is the language that talks to the spirit or consciousness that's behind this whole sub-program or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I was someone who really didn't believe in the whole ceremony aspect and I didn't really think there was much to it. And um, it... It's so interesting, though, that when your eyes are opened and something kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it, but kind of wakes up inside of you and you just all of a sudden just see things in a completely different way. And I, you know, just even just the simple use of fire, Mm -hmm. you know, fire and and we all use fire, you know, we whether you're just sitting around a bonfire and, you know, people think, oh, you just use it for heat or, you know, whatever. But it's is really a form of ceremony in a way that is a way of um, bringing people together. And, you know, if you think about when you're around a bonfire, people share stories, people open up. um, And, and there's also this interesting vibe around the fire. I just don't know how to describe it, but it's almost like anything could happen. Yeah. It's a sacred thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why shamans and, And, uh, you know, Native Americans and people since the beginning of time, when they light a fire, they do some type of ritual or dance is is because that fire represents something real on this earth, right? Because actually those elements are a part of us too, but it also represents something very powerful. I mean, at its base, especially here, everything is pretty much, you know, earth, fire, air, and water. And fire is something sacred. It represents something sacred. And for people that really don't believe in ceremony and the and the effectiveness of it, if you've ever been to an opera, a ballet, uh, a concert, anything that's moved you emotionally, how did it feel? Did it affect your life? Did it change your outlook on things? Did it do anything to you? Did it affect you? Absolutely it did. Absolutely. I can tell you some of the most best shows i've ever seen and the best moments art when you look at it there's some art that just speaks to you right Mm -hmm. so what a magician does is they flip the script they become you i guess you could say that when they're in the circle if you're doing ceremony they actually become authoritative at that moment and they're telling the universe hey this is what i want okay and this is what i want to do by the authority that the universe has already given them using symbols that the universe understands. 
whether it's smells, what you look at, what you feel. And it's crazy because the more you get into it, like say, the more you put your emotion into it and put that energy into it, the more it activates. And then the, tr the other trick is, because it's the whole left brain, right brain thing, you got to actually let it go. And I mean, let it go. Don't just say, when's it going to happen? I'm trying to manifest this. It's never. You have to let it go. And that's where faith comes in. So when you, and then that's when, so when you practice manifestation, do you use symbolism and sounds and smells? Absolutely. Yeah. If I really want something to, to change in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll use incense. I'll use candles. I'll use mantra. Um, I may even draw a circle for protection because what is, I mean, everybody knows what a circle is, right? We can agree that we all know what a circle is, correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds okay. like a, all right. So that's it. Sounds that's somewhere like a we can question. start. So it's not a trick question, though. So the beginning at the in the beginning of time, the circle has been used by even the cavemen. So think about all of these minds agreeing what the circle represents. That's the power of it, and that circle is also all in our universe. It's Alpha Omega. It represents protection, authority, infinity, you know, everything. And so the magician uses that circle to protect themselves from any harm that's going to happen or whatever they're trying to protect themselves against. It's almost like this is I'm drawing God and my authority right here. So you here. just draw a circle a on circle. a piece of paper or you're drawing a circle that you're sitting inside of? You can do both. If you're doing like sigil magic, you can definitely draw a circle on a piece of paper. If you're doing a ceremony, then you would draw a circle around yourself. Or you could put candles kids do around stuff, yourself right? in a, the form of a circle yep. or crystals. Some people do that. Mm -hmm. Is that yep. why people sit in circles when they do ceremonies as the yeah, protection? It's, I think that people do it for all kinds of reasons. But the, my point is, is when it comes to the arcana and archetypes, what does that circle represent Like the, in the, on a platonic scale? It represents everything. It is the symbol for everything, you know, infinity. So it's God, Alpha and Omega. It's, it's protection. Like, that's why they use it. Um, and then you wonder why, and then, then you get into the other symbols that really scare people, like pentagrams and hexagrams. Well, it's only scary when you see a magician drawing it on a piece of paper. It's not scary when you see a sheriff wearing it or you see the pentagram on your American flag. You see it everywhere, but for some reason, when a magician does it, it's freaky. It doesn't really make sense, does it? It must be part of this programming that is trying to keep us away from knowing our own power, I think. Well, but it's, it's, what's interesting is it's the two symbols combined, the pentagram inside of the circle, I think is what freaks people out. Well, you have like mm -hmm. a... Sure, all, badge with its round. Yeah, all that is is a, is a symbol for the microcosm. You know, it's a symbol of a man. It's the symbol of the four elements plus spirit. Uh, inside that is a pentagon, which inside that is another uh, pentagram, basically. So the the pentagram is the circle. The pentacle is the star. For instance, do you ever wonder why the pentagon is shaped the way it is? Why did they make it that shape? Yeah, I have no idea. Well, the pentagon represents war. The pentagram represents on the tree of life in Kabbalah. It represents the that sphere of Gevuro, Mars, and war. So what they're doing 
is telling the world and the universe that we are the symbol. This right here, this little area, this is our symbol letting all of you know subconsciously that we're going to be the gods of this thing, huh. war. Right? That's, that's kind of like uh, a really messed up way to look at it because I don't think it's evil what they did at all, but they stacked the deck magically when they built that building and they do it with lots of buildings especially mm-hmm. in Greece. what okay what are your thoughts on um symbolism its effect on our subconscious and then it certain symbols being hijacked like really uh positive symbols being hijacked so that we don't view them that way well i can tell you one of the most positive symbols that got hijacked was the the swastika that was not that was not that was an old hindu symbol for the universe and you know it was kind of almost just as powerful as the circle in fact you know some people use it still today like the the golden dawn the rosicrucians but they have to hide it because when people see it they think oh they're nazis or something because they don't understand that that symbol is ancient. That wasn't meant for Hitler to have, but did he use it in an occult way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody that looked at that flag, you don't think universe now. What do you think? Hitler. There you go. That's his power. It gave him power. Yeah, and so like it's like it steals that opportunity from anyone else who'd want to use that to their benefit, but they don't because they obviously view it as negative and no one wants to be aligned with Hitler. Exactly. There's a great scene in uh, the Da Vinci Code in the book and in the movie where the, you know, Dan Brown the, the is a symbologist and he's showing slides. You know, that was one of the examples he gave was the, the Hindu symbol for peace. And, and, you know, he, he would show the symbol and ask the students, well, what does this mean? And I mean, it's, it's a great scene because there are so many, that you know, he showed uh, he showed uh, the, the the trident, and people saw it and they said the devil, you know. And he zoomed out, and it was you know it was the pit, it was the pitchfork trident the trident pitchfork of, uh, and mm-hmm. and he showed a hooded figure, you know, white pointed hood, and they were like you know KKK hatred, and they zoomed out, and it was some uh, old priest garb, and you know in Spain or something like that. So. There's interpretation and reinterpretation and misinterpretation that happens, I think, has happened throughout history. Right. But seeing uh, that's the thing is the occultist or magician, whatever you want to call them, understand these things. And I think it's a time to and I'm not the only one doing this. There's a lot of people that are talking about this. It used to happen inside lodges and things. So. They would be in protection, so they didn't have to deal with the outside world trying to burn them or kill them and really uh, get to understand the truths behind the, all of these symbols and what's going on and the history and our origins. And that's kind of where um, esoteric masonry came into play and the Templars. And, that you know, they had to protect these things with their death sometimes because they knew that if if – the secret got out, it would be covered up by the church. You know, you heard the Templar stories of, well, they confessed to worshiping the devil and spitting on the cross and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the priests burned them at the stake and burned their toes. Just horrid, mm-hmm. you know, Friday, Friday the, the 13th, 13th stuff. Yep. Well, 
why do you think they did that? Like they they made an oath to protect certain things with their lives so that they knew a time would come when a, when a larger awareness would happen, when it would be okay to talk about these things in the open like you and I are now. If you and I were discussing this back then, what do you think would happen to us? If we even toyed with the notion of this is actually okay. We'd be killed. Killed. Yeah. We'd be hunted down and killed. So we're in a different time now. I think it's Thank time goodness to talk for that. About it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I actually have past life memories um, where I've had visions, but also like cellular feelings of speaking up the truth and being either killed for it or put into solitary confinement for it. And really? So, that's fascinating. That is yeah. fascinating. So it's like, it's, 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 I think it was one of the biggest roadblocks. I don't want to say the biggest, but it was definitely one of the roadblocks to me finally using my voice in this lifetime to speak about what I'm speaking about now, which, you know, for all of us, it's no big deal, but to the average person, um, who isn't, you know, knowledgeable on any of this stuff would think you're crazy. And so I was, it triggers some of those old feelings of like, you're going to die, uh, literally from past lives. And, um, so it's, I think that's something that many people who are trying to talk about these sort of things that in the past you would be killed for. It's not just about, oh, you're going to be ostracized from the society. It's like it, there's a cellular remembrance of past lives that you were killed because it's of this, literally in killed. in your DNA. Mm-hmm. And it's also buried in a lot of our religious texts too. Uh, the New Testament, some of that stuff is, is buried in there and symbolism and numerology. And, uh, you know, um, they buried that stuff in there for a reason. It's like... They knew a time was coming when we would all wake up to it. And I think a lot of us are uh, waking up to these things now. But still, I mean, I'm talking to you guys, but if you were to, let's say, come over to my house and view me doing a ceremony, it would still seem weird to you, right? So this is why, and just by viewing it, well, what's this guy doing? He's got, uh, you know, incense in his hand, and he's saying these certain things, and it just don't... That it's going to be weird to a viewing audience, but a practicing magician, this is for them and them alone. It's kind of like the whole singing in the shower thing. You do that, you don't want to do that to a, in front of a crowd, right? That's your moment. So that's kind of what uh, I would say ceremonial magicians do. It's it's a very individual and I, I would tell you hermetic journey. I think um, More people probably do it than they realize. Like maybe you have a certain ceremony you go through before you meditate, whether it be, you know, protecting yourself or clearing, you know, using sage or something like that. You know, we're probably all performing these rituals without really thinking that we well, are. Well, you know, th that's why, I mean, your definition of magic is what is what makes it eye opening, you know, to be able to. Yeah, that idea somebody might go, you can go and buy, you know, a sage stick at Whole Foods and somebody wants to smudge their new apartment. Right. Okay. And, and, you know, with your definition, that's magic. And that in and of itself can be settling. If you told them that's magic, no, it's not. I'm just, you know, whatever. Right. And, you know, the, and the, another problem that we run into is that the people that revealed this 
these secret teachings uh, out in the open were people like Aleister Crowley. So Israel Regardi did it too. But Aleister Crowley was so profound and so out there that he got noticed by the public more. So it really hurt a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of practice magicians that they get drugged through the mud because when you think ceremonial magic or certain people think that that's what comes in their mind, Aleister Crowley, you know, deep, dark, satanic rituals. And there's, I mean, even in a lot of Crowley's work, there was nothing satanic to it at all, but he would still toy with the public just because he could, because he was a megalomaniac, you know, and it caused a lot of harm to, uh, I guess you could say the image of, of magicians. Yeah. It's that programming that, that, you know, if that's your first impression with it, it's very hard to form a different impression once that's been kind of programmed into the mind. It takes a lot to kind of move past that, um, in, to see it in a different way. Yeah. We also can't forget about like theurgy and thaumaturgy. So, Theurgy is a practice where they would invoke God forms. And if you look, you know, the uh, Egyptian and, well, I think in college it was like Hindu. Uh, Hinduism is the oldest religion in the world. And so they would um, invoke these gods, gods, not God, but, you know, gods, which are really aspects of the one God. And they would invoke these things inside of them to either manifest something or understand something or try to enlighten themselves. And that was the practice of theurgy. Now this was practiced in ancient Egypt, uh, Samaria. It's been practiced for a long time. Uh, in Christianity, when you inv invoke God, people invoke, in, they invoke God into them and, you know, in the name of Jesus. So it's been practiced forever, but it's a scary sounding when you think about it, right? Like I'm going to invoke those and I'm going to do this, chant and blah 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 but what does those represent in my subconscious the god of wisdom and communication and language and so i'm trying to understand something intellectually or intellectually excuse me and raise my awareness that way and they go through this process of doing all of these different things to to come in contact with what's called they call the holy guardian angel we call it your higher self some people call it christ consciousness but it, you're really trying to know who you really are and not just know it but become one with it and and to do that in one lifetime is incredibly difficult but this is what a lot of the magicians that was that was their main goal that was the whole alchemical process mm -hmm. what was one of your like do you have an experience of when you first started using white magic in the way that you do where it had a very profound effect on you yeah sure um when I first started practicing ceremonial magic, I used the old, it's like an older system. It's a Golden Dawn system. It's Golden Dawn, right? Rosicrucian magic, which is based on uh, Judeo, it's like a, it's based on a Judeo-Christian paradigm that kind of slowly opens the doors to Egyptian magic. So it starts out Judeo-Christian and then it introduces you to the Egyptian idea, which is where a lot of people believe. And if you really studied it, you can see that it's the Horus story. It really did come from Egypt. But anyways, that's where I started. And the first thing they, they teach you is um, focus practices, visualization practices, um, a couple of rituals to energize yourself and also clear out bad energy. So what you're doing in the beginning is you're 
you're banishing bad the bad but invoking the good and there's two rituals one's called the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram or just the ritual of the pentagram but you can use it to clear pretty much clear out all the bad stuff that's what you think it is at first but that's not really what it is and the middle pillar which is kind of like a meditation where you're that I've seen Eastern meditations where they, they call clearing their field, right? You, you've seen that diagram that has uh, two circles and it goes down the chakra system, right? And then, then it goes back around and it comes back down that you've seen that, right? That's pretty much what the middle pillar is. So you see these things and Western occult practices that mimic stuff that, you know, practices that are taught in the East, it's just we do it as a Western society because we understand this better, right? It's like the whole left brain and right brain thing. The, Mark Passio thinks that the earth actually has uh, a left brain and a right brain. Huh. If you look at Eastern and Western practices, they're two totally different cultures That's and an ideas, idea. and it totally relates to the brain, right? So anyway so i used that system because i was brought up a christian and i had faith in it and it was already in my paradigm so it was already in my subconscious and when i started doing these things that's when i started having my first out-of-body experiences not dreams leaving my body like seeing things that were happening in the real world and i'm and didn't even realize that it was triggering these things i had a few prophetic dreams i had and these were very minor things, you know, they would teach you don't get all, you know, don't give in to astonishment, right? Because these are going to be small things in the end, just keep writing this stuff down. And so there's no way I could go out into the public and prove this, right? That's why it's an individual journey, but I know that it's real. If that makes any sense. It does. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, <laughs> well, part of the choir. <laughs> yeah. Part of the choir. <laughs> But I, I mean, I think that's even a, an, an idea, though, that, Brian, you can get your head around. Oh, absolutely. No, the idea I can absolutely get my head around. Yeah. Yeah. So when you left your body, what what did you see? Well, I, at first, the first time I did it, um, I, I thought I didn't know I was out of my body. But I was everything looked more real. The colors were more vivid edges were sharper i felt very light there was no heaviness to me and i was thinking did i just i did it i finally got out Um, you were trying to get out right and i rolled and i've been trying for years but it wasn't until i started practicing magic that it happened you know and uh i looked back and i saw myself mouth wide open snoring on the couch it was disgusting looking actually (laughs) i was like it's like man that's me you know, and so I went outside and naturally when I went outside, I was in my yard and I was like, this feels so weird because I mean, it was, it's very hard to explain. I did not want to go back. I wanted to stay here for a while, but there's, that's the trick. As soon as you give into astonishment or you have an expectation, everything you wake up or you go back to your body whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But naturally the first thing I did was fly and it was different. It wasn't the flying you do in dreams. This was a different feeling. This was something that felt like I already knew how to do it, like it was natural. And to me, that explains a lot of paranormal phenomena. I do think that there is uh, interactions in the physical realm 
that a lot of people are either out of their body or either passed away and they're kind of stuck in between realms and they're interfering with this realm a little bit. There are certain people that can do it, just like the movie Ghost. You've seen that movie with Patrick oh, yeah. Swayze, yeah. right? Where that guy's mm-hmm. like, do it from your gut, you know, and he's trying to push things. That really happens like that. You know, if you read the book of Robert Monroe, he actually learned how to pinch somebody. Uh, Dr. Stelionis Ateshlis, he calls it uh, eczematosis, but he, he can move things on people's dressers. And so when you are opened up to this world, then you're like, this reality that I was living in before is an illusion. And then everything gets real crazy after that, you know. <laughs> Sounds exciting. I'd love to do that. I've tried many times but i haven't been successful maybe you need to use white magic yeah i'm thinking that might be the next step yeah william buhlman was the first person that that's who you know i'd always listen to him and to me it was just a coincidence that okay i've been trying this forever but now that i'm starting to do um i guess you could say neophyte initiatic western occult science practices that these things are happening but what continued to happen is then i started having to deal with myself right uh and this system that they take you through you have to deal with yourself you have to deal with your intellect your emotions your passions and your desires the earthly things you know your financial situation and this is the elements they send you through earth air fire and water they send you through these initiatic systems it's a Western system, and it's not the only system, but it's the one that that kind of works for me. Because a lot of people, when I talk about this, because I was on America and I got attacked by all kinds of different people saying that you're an elitist and this and that. And I'm like, no, this system just worked for me. I know other people that, that have been to Eastern mystery schools that it works for them. That is better for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that whole, like, judgment. Like, it's got to be one way for it to be, like, the right way and not realizing that every we're all individuals we all have certain strengths or weaknesses that you know we need to play to and or we're just like it's part of our experience it's part of our journey for whatever reason i will um, tell everybody this I'm, though too nicole if anybody doesn't believe in magic their freighter xavier has a sigil magic course or you could just take any sigil magic course and it's harmless Like you could write a sigil out like, I want to manifest this, turn it into your little sigil and do what they tell you. You know, you might have to do a prayer at a certain planetary hour or something like that and then bury it or whatever. I would, I would suggest that anybody just do that. And I've never suggested these things before, but just try that. Do it with something harmless. Like say, I want to, I want to manifest a green ball in my yard or something, right? Something small from starting out small. And the more you want it to happen, it's not going to happen. But watch what happens when you say, man, this ain't going to work. This is stupid. I'm done. And that's, that's when it happens. But that's when like, you let it go. That's like with any couple that's trying to get pregnant for two years, three years, and then <laughs> they give up and then it See, happens. That's magic too. See, in a magic ceremony I'm, where you do use the male and female energy. And that is a, a really deep secret. Um, that, that is the key to manifestation, force and form. We are living inside of that right now. I mean, but anybody that doesn't understand, doesn't believe, doesn't want to use that word, 
Magic. And it's a word that I use often. Yeah, if they don't want to use that word magic or manifestation, you call it a coincidence. That's right. Lisa and I were on a walk the other day, the other evening, and we were crossing the road and a duck had been hit by a car. It was dead, but it was right in the middle. It was going to get hit again and again. You know, it was going to mm -hmm. be a mess. So I wanted to pick it up, but I didn't want to touch my hands. I just walked all around in like a 10 foot circle, just looking for something to pick it up with and, you know, didn't see anything. Walked across the road. We were just going to continue. And then I saw a little wire uh, irrigation flag. So I was like, oh, I'll just use that to, you know, kind of tie it around the duck and pull it off the road. No sooner did I pick that up than I turned around where I had just been. There was a long And wire. there was a longer wire. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just grab that. And then I grabbed that wire and walked over the duck. Three feet from the duck was a huge foam pad. Oh, wow. um, now, it's, it's, some cars now, had passed by. It had been. It was very windy that night, so it obviously had just blown from wherever it ha it was. But obviously. it was not. It was not. Well, no, I mean, but but okay. Come on, Nicole. Manifest not. It appears out of nowhere. It still has to come. So the, the what do physics you mean it appears out of nowhere. Of course it can appear out of nowhere. You That's the laughed whole point. when I said it was windy. I mean, obviously the reason it showed up where it was is the wind blew it from wherever it was. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that to discount that it was manifested and that a power in the universe made it land where it landed, but it didn't just appear it, it didn't just disappear from Australia and somebody's like, where the fuck is my phone pad? And it appeared on the road. Yeah. It was in the grass. It was rubbish. And it blew there, you know, for the need that we, you know, desired. But so to look at it and say it, you know, was magic. I think a lot of people would struggle with that. They would just say, holy shit, this thing just showed up when I needed it. How cool is that? Right. But what was your will at that moment? That's well, what it's all about. Your, I, your will at that moment was to do what? To, to, ha to, to, to help this dead animal, to move it, to have something to move it with and, and cause and effect. But my, my point about a skeptic, because I am, I'm supposed to be, I play one on TV and I know, <laughs> you know, my, my parents and, you know, people that would, it would just be, oh, how convenient Oh, what a coincidence. Isn't that glad that that showed up? And I won't give it any thought. I will not then dwell on it and think on it and pray on it and say, oh, wow, did I cause that to happen? No, it, it, that just won't happen in a skeptic's mind. But it, that's something that would have never have happened to you, say, a year ago. But now that you've been exposed to all these different ideas then now that is something that crosses your mind. Like, wow, I manifested this piece of wire and this piece of um, cardboard or whatever it was. Even though I say that, I'm kind of still saying it as a joke to myself. <laughs> well, yeah, still, that's what feels comfortable. The, the bigger picture, like you are a, uh, an individual form of consciousness and a larger consciousness construct that is pretty much all made up of the same thing. So when you will something to happen... Uh, on this earth, it, yes, it does have to come through in a certain rule form. And like I said, it really depends on who's observing it for that reason, because it doesn't want to mess up the system like Thomas Campbell says. But 
it always comes magic always comes through in a coincidence it always appears that way but after a certain amount of coincidences you stop believing that it's a coincidence right it's just that's why they tell you to journal and dream journal and write these things down because when you do the math probability is telling you that this is no longer coincidence and i'm not talking about three four five or even ten things when it gets up into the hundreds then you know something's real and i would assume a lot of people if you were to think about the number of coincidence over coincidences that you want to label it that happy coincidence you know over somebody's lifetime, it probably is in the hundreds, but you, you're right. You're not documenting it. You're, you're, you're bouncing from one to another and not remembering the one that happened a week ago or two days ago. And, you know, so you, you plot along your, your, your life and don't, don't put it together. Don't string it together. Unless you keep a coincidence yeah. journal. I really would love everybody that's listening to this to try out the sigil thing just once and make it something that can't be normal you know right uh like don't try to manifest a certain girlfriend make it something small you know to me that's kind of like black magic like i want nancy or whoever to fall in love with me and blah 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 well unless you you can't force her to do that because she's her own individual that's against being her but will, yeah that's against her will right but there there are powerful enough magicians that can make that happen for you actually, but you may not like the, the, you know, nature is going to make it happen the way it needs to happen. And you may not like the, the outcome when it's all said and done. You may think Wayne you Dyer. let's say, that talks about that power of intention basically. Right. Yeah, he does. That's true. But let's say you do, you do cast a spell for the perfect partner. Like I'm ready to be, to love somebody and be loved by the perfect person. It just sounds so, um, you know, that's that can't happen. There's nobody that's perfect. The perfect person for me, I'm ready. You can do that. To me, that's well, total. You, you might not understand it when it shows up. You know, uh, a guy may. You, you, you're a guy and you cast a spell and another guy shows up and he's like, you're, and you don't understand that. that your your spell just you you just it just worked and you're just like oh yeah what a cool guy i guess i can see what you're saying with that yeah <laughs> well but yeah i, I guess but ultimately it's, you don't be careful what you ask for exactly exactly be careful and this is one of the reasons why i hesitate to talk about it because there is a lot of uh a lot of bad intentions going on out there um yeah especially in the youth crowd the the, the child uh, an abused child that maybe is mad at their parents you know and they do a spell to wish death upon their parent well mm, this these things do happen you know um for instance uh, i know a person that actually did a spell to to become rich and they were being very evil about it and you know what had to happen a certain person in their family had to die for them to get that money and it happened now, to you and I, that's a big coincidence. That person died. This person got the money. Whatever. It doesn't look like anything to anybody else. But did they see, and I won't use their name, but did they see little Johnny wrapping thread around his finger at 3 o'clock in the morning? Right. The power of no. attention, yeah. Not trying to scare anybody, but it's out there. 
So how do you come up with like a sigil or like what what would you suggest to our audience like some sort of Well, there's lots of ways to do it. I'm I'm no instructor, so I don't want to instruct anybody on how to do it, but you know, the way that I do it is like say if it's let's just say it's a financial thing and I want a certain amount of money for a project that I'm trying to do. Well, I would write on a piece of paper, you know, that, you know, I will this amount of money to happen by this date. And then you cross out all the the letters. Like if there's two M's in that, you cross it out, you cross out all the vowels. And eventually after you cross out all the doubles and the vowels, you're left with just a few letters and you make a little witchy symbol out of it that looks cool to you. And then you use the, uh, a certain planetary alignment you can use prayer there's other people that you have to activate the sigil right there's people that use crazy methods to activate it but me i just use trance and focus and prayer and mantra at a certain planetary hour and then say if it's for an earthly reason then i i'll stack the deck on my subconscious and i will bury it in the ground right that's just an example now hmm. it's not going to happen until i actually let it go and i don't mean let it go, but it's still in the back of my mind. I have to move on with my life. And once I'm out of the universe's way, once I get out of the way, that's when it happens. Yeah, like, so basically you can't obsess about it after you've done it. you just got to let exactly. go and let God, so to speak. That's right. And that's the same thing when you're trying to discover who you are. If you're, if you're on a white magic path to discover your higher self, your holy guardian angel... You have to have a little bit of faith and you've got to get out of the universe's way and then pay attention when it does show you things. And you've got to keep like keeping a journal and a dream journal because the mind is chaotic. So if you don't journal, you're not going to learn anything or you're going to forget things. And so it's a life, it's a lifelong study, but there's high magic and low magic and people say, well, high magic, that's better than, are you better than people? No, high magic is just rituals, ceremonies, or whatever practices you're doing to try to become one with your higher self. Low magic is practical magic where you're trying to manifest certain things or protect yourself. But the cool thing is, is once you understand this and you wrap all, you come back to, to center, you come back to where you started, there really is no higher magic that I've ever found than prayer prayer is just as powerful as anything anything Would you say though it's got to be done though in i guess the the issue i have with prayer is that there seems to be a misunderstanding that you don't understand that maybe some of the things like a lot of people pray for things that they that are negative in their life to go away or for illnesses to be healed and that perhaps say that illness is there because it's going it's it's providing a major lesson that is needed for either you or someone that you love in their in your life and that actually praying for it to leave is not to the highest good of all those involved. And sometimes I think well, yeah, when you that's... pray, you're focusing energy on that thing that you don't want. So if you're con like praying that, you know, say your mother had cancer and your grandmother had cancer and you're like just praying, like, 
I just pray to God every night that I don't get breast cancer, that I don't get breast cancer. And you're putting all this energy, focused energy on breast cancer, which is probably going to end up showing up in your life. Yeah, I don't mean like that type of prayer. You know, that's more of a when you're in a state of wanting, that's the state you're going to remain in. I mean, when you when you do a prayer of gratitude and exaltation, it really that to me is just as powerful. Uh, the people that believe in Jesus, you know, um, and they really believe in it. You know, I've I've seen that work. It's worked in my life. You know, I'm not that kind of a Christian anymore, but um, when I was, it did work because I believed in it. There were so many times when it did work. But there, if you're talking about unanswered prayers for the highest good, I would question that does that person really believe in what they're asking to happen, whether it's for their highest good or not. Let's just go. I don't know if you guys got kids or whatever. Um, we do. But if your Brian, and but I if do. your child comes to you and ask for something and they really 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 want it and you know it's not to their highest good but they they're obsessed with it they just can't get over it nobody's life can move on until they get with the fine right you give it to them because you love them at least i know i do and i know a lot of the parents do but they still have that lesson they got to learn you know so prayer is more of a in my opinion a child to to parent figure in other words child of the universe talking to to the parent universe figure um, and, and, uh, I think anybody can have anything they want if their faith is strong enough in it. I really do believe that because we think we know what faith is, but I don't think we do. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> you. I think you realize that when it's really being tested, I think oh, it's yeah. one of those things where you feel like, you know, it when you're all things are good. <laughs> And then you realize, wow, I'm getting it tested really big right now. Well, and it's, yeah, well, this it, is it, how you, your parents go, this is how you pray, right? Well, no, I would say this, pray from your heart always, always, mm-hmm. and then see what happens. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Because, I mean, that's just, we, we, I mean, we've talked about it just on a, on a different note. Like, that's fifth dimensional, uh, that's the fifth dimensional heart structure. That's taking that's leaving the ego and going into the place that's service to all. So that makes a lot of sense. I will confess something here just to tell you, cause you guys were talking about how it's really, you're asking for something that's not for your highest good. Right. Mm-hmm. And okay. So when I was younger, everybody goes through this, that first heartbreak, right? Whether you're a girl or a boy, when you first, when you're really in love with somebody and you break up or you get dumped or whatever, everybody's for the most part, everybody's been through that. Right. So I remember it was raining. I was 15 years old and I went, I ran down in the rain behind a fire station and I hid from everybody because I didn't want anybody to see me whining like a girl. That's the way I looked at it. I'm whining like a little baby girl, right? And I prayed to God, you know, please let me have her back. I'll fix this. I'll do it right. Just please. And I could even feel something inside of me going, this isn't really what's best for you. Right. But you know what? I got her back and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. So my prayer was answered, but the outcome wasn't so, wasn't what I expected. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Careful what you ask for. And that's exactly, exactly. Wow. Um, really quickly, because I know you got to go. Um, 
Did you ever see anything in your out-of-body experiences that you wish you hadn't seen? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, that's a whole nother story. I've talked that, about that on my show. But, yeah, I got into what's called a, a false awakening once and um, saw, like, a hooded being about three inches from my face, you know, after I finally woke up, or at least I thought I was awake, there it was. And I wished that would have never happened to me because it scarred me. And it's actually to this day prevented me from further moving along in that practice because it's still in the back of my mind. But, you well, know, if you've to, talked to about believe, it on your. On the show, yeah. If you've talked about it on our show, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and where people can go and maybe listen to that particular episode? Well, the show, it's just called uh, Lighting the Void, and it's at lightingthevoid.com. And that's the, uh, it comes on Monday night through Thursday night, but uh, live at 9 p.m. Pacific on the Fringe FM, which is the fringe.fm. But it's also uh, in podcast form, so if anybody wants to listen to the archives. But if you believe in angels and good things and fairies and just positive beings out there in the universe you have to understand that we're also in a universe of polarity and duality so there are also other beings out there that are not so friendly and good and at the end of the day they're just really aspects of our true higher self like at the very top but that doesn't mean they're easy to deal with in this reality and so we're all on this journey of discovering who we really are whether we know it or not and the whole point about magic and what I wanted to talk to you about, and I think we did, is that there's ways to speed it up, you know. And um, we've been doing it since the beginning of time, and I think it's kind of okay to talk about now. Yeah. No, I think, oh, I mean, go back 20 years, there it was a lot harder to talk about this stuff then than it is now. Even yeah. just five years ago, I feel like it was still hard. Uh, I mean, maybe that's just my own personal projection, but I, I feel like there's so many more people kind of becoming more self-aware and questioning a lot more things and trying to figure it all out and kind of taking the journey of self more uh, seriously uh, with more heart, I guess. Right. And there's many systems out there. You don't ever have to practice magic to do this. There's eastern systems that you can do it with religion you can just do it scientifically even actually there's it just really depends on who you are i just don't want my messages is to make people aware of it uh, and not to be so afraid of it because you can actually empower yourself a little bit and don't become a victim to it you know you're you're being uh, magically induced into hypnotic states of rhythm all the time by symbolism and uh i would say dark forms of magic you know uh every day in the media and everything that you see so once you become aware of it then you become empowered and then you can really start doing some inner work yeah oh well thanks so much for coming on the show um for our audience please go check out his show lighting the void it's a great show and I mean, I know you've been told this probably a thousand times, but you just have the best radio voice ever. <laughs> it's just so good. I hate it. Everybody loves it, but I hate it. I really do. I hate it. It is the voice. perfect radio voice. It's just deep. Well, enough. thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. And it's very calming, especially for like a lot of the topics that you talk about. 
Um, I think it's just, it just brings a grounding effect to it all. So, um, no, thank you. That's very nice of you. Yeah. So everyone go check out, uh, go check out Joe's, uh, show. Uh, you can find out more information about him on his website, lightingthevoid.com. And he is available in all different podcast apps, or you can, uh, join in live and be part of the conversation. And there's live chats and all that, uh, through, um, I guess Spreaker and the Fringe.fm? Yeah, it's got a Discord chat room in there as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Joe. I, I learned some new stuff today, so that's great. I love that. Oh, that's cool. Thank you yeah, for having thanks me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, and to all of our and to all of our listeners, uh, if you have any questions that you'd like us to ask on the air, please send them into our email info at enlightenup.us. Uh, and if you have any guests suggestions of someone you'd love us to bring on the show, because some of you have been writing into us and we've got some people lined up for you, uh, or you have topic ideas that we haven't discussed yet. And you're waiting to hear about, you can also send that into our email and we'd be happy to, uh, get that organized. So thanks to everyone. And thanks Joe for being on the show and we will catch you guys all next week. Bye.